Hey sisters, I am so excited for today's interview. I am interviewing Jen McClellan, author, public speaker, and host of the Plus Mommy podcast. She is an incredible human being doing just amazing work. And the reason I wanted to interview her is because she is a woman living in a larger body and she spent a great deal of her life thinking that something was wrong with her body because it was larger. And she went through an experience, which you'll hear her story on the show, it's so good, that transformed her and allowed her to see herself and her body as wonderful, as awesome, which is exactly what she is. And once she was able to do that, she unleashed her awesome into the world, which ah, I'm getting chills talking about it. I mean, that's the whole reason I love doing what I'm doing is breaking down these these lies that diet culture tells us so we can get in tune with our inner awesome and give it back to the world. She is doing just that. She is teaching people how to be an advocate for our, themselves, um, specifically people in larger bodies, and also talking about moms, moms who are in larger bodies, how to be a mom, how to navigate pregnancy, just really cool work that she's doing. The bulk of our conversation today is about what it's like to be a woman in a larger body how she experiences the world, and what she has decided to do with that against everything diet culture tells her. She's incredible. Cannot wait for you guys to hear this awesome interview. Hey girl, you are amazing and you possess this unique inner awesome that the world so desperately needs. And guess what? Your body size has nothing to do with that. But I get it. I spent way too many years living in insecurity and I have spent the last decade working with women just like you who have struggled with the same. And when it comes down to it, I think our amazingness becomes all too easily eclipsed by two things, body bullying, which in turn impacts how we take care of our body. Whether it's over or under eating, over exercising or not moving at all, moving from dieting to anti-diet culture, girl, the pendulum just keeps swinging. I started this podcast because it's time to break up with body bullying and find a way to live balanced in your body. I'm Jess, a body bully warrior, registered dietitian, and food freedom guru. I believe that when we stop letting culture define health, beauty, and what we should and shouldn't eat, we are finally free to live in our own bodies. This podcast is just one of the many resources I have for you ladies. Be sure to head on over to JessBrownRD.com. Check out my ebook, e-course, supplements, meal plans. Guys, I've got so much more for you, and I'm adding to that list on the daily. Are you ready to channel your inner awesome at a whole nother level? Grab a cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, and let's dive in to today's show. Jen, I am so excited to have you on today, fellow Albuquerquean. Welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming today. So I am, I'm so excited to dive in to your story and what you are doing because what I, what you're doing is incredible. For those that do not know you, can you tell us just a little bit about your work and what you do? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Jen McClellan, and I'm the founder of Plus Size Birth and the host of the Plus Mommy podcast. My work is all about supporting people of size during pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and parenthood. Uh, And I've been doing this for a decade now. That's amazing. A full decade. I bet, like, how much have you grown in that decade? Oh, (laughs) I mean, 
I, and we'll talk about my story, but I just started a blog. Like I was just like a mommy <laughs> blogger. And now this is what I do as a career. So tremendously it's been an, an unexpected beautiful and exhaustive journey <laughs> I bet it has yeah did you have any idea that this is where you'd be 10 years later no no it was so cute I was actually interviewed by a high school student wanting to interview someone that does social media for a living and I'm like I am the fat and I self-identify as fat and I use the word fat for myself like I am a fat woman in her 40s like I never <laughs> imagined and when I started there was no thing such thing as influencers you know that word wasn't really what it is now and I just I never imagined that this would be my life I think it just goes back to saying that we all have a story right and for some of us if we share our story it can impact countless lives so it's been quite an unexpected journey that I've, I'm honored to have gone down. That's amazing. Well, speaking of your story, can you tell us just a little bit about your story? Yeah. You know, I existed my whole life uh, in a larger body, but when I got pregnant at the age of 30, I went online and I Googled like plus size pregnancy. And there was just all of this negative information that I would develop gestational diabetes, that I would have a cesarean birth. And this was back in 2010. So comments were really popular on blogs. And I remember reading that I was a horrible person for wanting to become a mother as a, a fat woman. It was just, and that was back when I didn't even like the word fat. And it was just like so polarizing to oh read. Gosh. And while I had always existed in a larger body, I like, you know, felt healthy in my body. I, I had all these messages that made me feel like my body wasn't worthy. My body was broken, but I just, I just never assumed that by getting pregnant, I was doom and gloom and yeah. I couldn't find pictures of women uh, or people of size pregnant that looked like me. I would spend hours on Google images and what I would find was often like people with their heads cut off, which is normally what we see is this narrative of people of size. Think of the news, right? right. And it just gave me this impression like, oh, I'm high risk. I can't have a healthy outcome. And meanwhile, my mom had, you know, these births. They always talked about how having a natural childbirth changed her life. And it was so amazing. So I just kind of thought, oh, I could do this. And then everything I read told me I couldn't. Uh, but I, I had a completely healthy pregnancy. I hired wow. a doula five months into my pregnancy. was really the first person that introduced health at every size to me and was just like, what are you talking about? Your oh, high your doula risk. did? Yeah. Because oh, she was wow. the first person who ever really said like, you're not high risk. Like there's nothing wrong with your body. Like you just told me you're obsessed with water aerobics and you don't have <laughs> any blood sugar issues, no high blood pressure, nothing. Like you are a healthy person. And I, I had really never heard someone tell wow. me at my size that I was healthy. And she, she, I told her I wanted an unmedicated birth and she's like, you should have a home birth. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I respect <laughs> anyone who, who makes that choice for themselves. But I spent 30 years of my life thinking I was broken. So doing, giving birth at home was like way right. out of the scope. Uh, but she introduced me to the midwifery model of care. And I switched from my OB to a midwife. And at the age of 30, a midwife was the first care provider who truly touched my body with compassion. Wow. And who made me believe that my body was capable and my body was amazing. I, I had never had that relationship with a care provider before. I remember like I would Google things and ask my midwife, like I read online that big people have big babies. And she's like, that's what your hips are for. You can birth a big baby. <laughs> you know, it was always 
affirming, but we talked about nutrition and we talked about physical activity and we did it in ways that weren't polarizing. And um, I gave birth on my knees in a hospital at nearly 300 pounds and I was forever transformed. I could, obviously I became a parent, but I could no longer hate a body that could do something so magnificent. And that's like what brought me to like when my son was a few months old, I was like, there has to be other stories out there. Like I am not the first fat woman to have a healthy pregnancy (laughs) and a vaginal birth, but there weren't a lot of stories out there. And so I started blogging in April of 2011 and a decade later, you know, this is my career and uh, it's been just an amazing journey and to have opportunities that I never imagined. Like I collaborated with the National Institutes of Health on an initiative around obesity and pregnancy, and they changed the name to Pregnancy for Everybody. Like it's just been- Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I've been interviewed by Glamour Magazine, which like the chubby girl in high school never even imagined that she would, you know, (laughs) see herself with the word glamour above it. I've had all these amazing opportunities that I never thought were accessible to me when I was in that mentality where I didn't deserve these things or Mm -hmm. I wasn't worthy or I wasn't capable because of the size of my body. And yeah, it has been- life-altering and I'm, and I'm a mom. (laughs) So it's been uh, an amazing experience. That's so good. So good. I mean, I just got chills multiple times. I mean, one, it's like you went through, I mean, birth in and of itself is a transformative experience because it's like, this is what your body is capable of in this moment, things that you had no idea, but then to like have it counter, like contradict all these messages you'd been given your whole life. Totally. What a pivotal moment. That's, that's incredible. And I love like what it's opened up for you. And this is something that like, when I work with my clients, you know, most people, I'm a dietitian. So most people come to me for weight loss. That's like what they seek me out for. And they're like, if I lose weight, then I can do this. Then I can do this. And it sounds like this was the moment that you're like, I did this and I didn't have to lose weight. Like there is nothing wrong with me. Right. It just taught me so much about what my body, like how strong I, I've always been. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't give myself credit and, you know, I'll just never forget my midwife being like, climb up on this bed on your knees and have this baby. And for anyone who's given birth, you know, they could say, hang from the rafters upside down and birth. And you'd be like, okay, help me climb up. Like (laughs) you would, you would do it in any position, right. At that time. Well, for most of us, but I was sure ready for whatever she said. But there was something so powerful about being on my knees and birthing my child. And Mm -hmm. then my husband caught our son and then he was passed between my legs and I held him and I was like, I did this. It was so, so empowering. I I absolutely loved it. And I've had people of all sizes who have been given birth be like, man, I wish I was as respected and treated with as compassionate as you were. And I just, I was so thankful to have a size friendly midwife Mm -hmm. that was like, your body's capable of this. And then my birth midwife that was like, I'm going to support this woman. And at, after I gave birth, um, she, she told me it was an honor to be at my birth. My midwife wow. told me that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, <laughs> I'm thanking you for everything. You're telling me it was an honor to be at my birth. Like, I feel like the stars aligned on August 24th, 2010. And like <laughs> things happened to me that allowed me to now help so many people to know that they are worthy at any size to work with a care provider that treats them with compassion and dignity and provides evidence-based 
care, which is so critically important. Yes. And so you had just heard about health at every size from the doula then. That was your first introduction yeah, to this and model? She didn't, she didn't frame it as health at every size. She okay. just said, Hey girl, you're healthy. (laughs) Why do you think that you're not healthy? Like you're, and I lived in Colorado at the time where Boulder is like this. I I used to make horrible jokes. Like, you know, I'm not allowed to go to Boulder because, you know, chubby people aren't welcome there. Like (laughs) I lived in a state where, you know, there was a lot of fat phobia and I had my own internalized fat Mm -hmm. phobia too. And so when she was like, you're healthier than some of my Boulder moms. And I, I had never really heard someone say the message and we're hearing a lot of these messages a decade later, right? But I had mm-hmm. never heard these messages that like, I could be a person of size and be healthier than all these women that I would see in Boulder, you know, thinking, well, yes. wow, this is what health is. Um, so it was, it was a real pivotal shift for me. Now, were you resistant to this idea at first? No, because innately, I knew that my body I wanted an unmedicated birth, even though I read everything online that said I, I wasn't going to be able to have one because that's how I was raised. Like my mm-hmm. mom's plus size and she would never let her size hold her, hold her back in that way. So while I had internal struggles, I, I, I believed that my body was capable and I believed that my body was strong, but I also believed that my body was broken. Mm-hmm. So there were so many messages, but I really felt determined to have a certain type of outcome for, for my birth. But I'll be, I'll be real honest, Jess, a part of that reasoning was an epidural meant that people would be moving my body for me. Mm-hmm. And as a person of size, that was terrifying to me. Okay. I wanted to be in control of my body. So while, yes, I wanted the experience of an unmedicated birth, there, there were layers of it. And I, mm-hmm. it took me years to unpack that piece of the puzzle was that mm-hmm. I really didn't want to not be in control of my body. Well, thank God for that, because look how the stars aligned for you going down that road. Right. Wow. So, so this health at every size, like, I mean, it sounds like your mom kind of lived it before it even, you know, the words even existed. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. She, she was very rooted in diet culture, just Mm -hmm. like we all were, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which brought me to Weight Watchers at sixth grade. And I don't Mm -hmm. hold any of that against her. Sorry, mom. But, you know, (laughs) I I think a lot of our moms and even us, you know, those of Mm -hmm. us who are moms, we're rooted in diet culture. So, so I think, I think I've always like been on a teeter totter, right. Of like really good messages and crappy messages. And, you know, like it's, that's for all of us with most things in our lives too. Yeah. Like it, it, I think they mean well, right. It's always right. like they have the best of intentions, but just don't even, didn't even know that there was an issue there or a problem in the message itself. Yes. So how do you explain health at every size to someone? Sure. After I started blogging, I started realizing that it wasn't just, you know, about plus size pregnancy and that work that, that it also intertwined with body love and even fat advocacy. I realized I was doing fat advocacy work. I was helping people of size to be treated differently by a medical care system, which we have studies to show has a bias against people of size. So through that work, um, I was really introduced to the body love movement and a lot of Mm -hmm. leaders in that movement. uh, And then also the, um, you know, health at every size philosophy and the work of Lindo Bacon. So health at every size is what it says, health at every size, that people can be healthy at every size. And and what's funny about that is like my whole life being in a larger body, all my test results were always 
golden. I like mm-hmm. my blood work was always great. All my levels were good. Like I love the elliptical, like all these things. And yet care providers would always say, yes, but it's only a matter of time <laughs> until. And yeah. so then I would start dieting and then I would gain, you know, do that cycling of, mm-hmm. I would diet myself to a higher weight, diet myself to a higher weight. And I, I only wish I could go back to that one doctor, you know, when I was, you know, prepubescent and be like, shut up, you know, like, don't <laughs> yeah. tell her this. Yeah. Um, but so, but the, the principles of health at every size, you know, there are three main ones of respect, critical awareness, and um, compassionate self-care. So that respect that bodies come in all shapes, sizes, colors, you know, tall people, fat people, short people, black people, white people, like we're all different and all bodies are worthy of respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so critically important because it's so easy for us in today's world to be like, well, of course, everyone, you know, women should be the same, paid the same as men. And, you know, those types of things we think about and we're like, yeah, like everyone should be equal. And yet still it's societally acceptable to treat people of color different and people of size different. And it's like, come on, (laughs) like it is 2021. Like everyone is deserving of that respect. Um, And that, that critical awareness of like, no one knows their body better than me. Mm -hmm. I know the history of my body. I exist in my body. I know my body. Um, And so it's really about learning to internalize those messages and convey them like to be able to advocate for myself and to be able to question all these messages that society puts out there Mm -hmm. that larger bodied people are less worthy less capable less deserving that we're a burden on society Uh, and then that the third piece the compassionate self-care is where we dive into you know physical activity and nutrition and unpacking diet culture and saying you know to find joy in movement. Mm -hmm. If that was a huge turning point for me was like, oh, I exercise because I love my body, not because (laughs) I hate it. I'm a walker. I love walking and it has changed my life. Like I feel so much joy. My inflammation goes down. I sleep better. All these things where I used to think that I had to exercise to change my body size, where I now realize how much benefits come from exercise. And then really tuning into food in a way that's not dieting. And it's going back to our initial innate hunger cues that we Mm -hmm. were born with and finding them again because they've so been lost in diet culture. Yeah, and how is having this new perspective impacted how you exercise and move and eat foods? It's radical. It's life-changing. I think when we really look at health at every size for people who exist in smaller bodies, I I can understand why people are like, oh, come on, please. There's no way that someone who weighs 300 pounds can be healthy. But A, who are you to define health? Mm -hmm. B, who are you to judge someone else? (laughs) And C, like, I can literally give you all my test results. And yet I can be standing next to someone who weighs 120 pounds and they can be pre-diabetic. So the only thing that you can know by looking at me is that I'm fat. That's it. You don't know that I uh, enjoy walking. And and even if I don't, like, I don't have to prove to you that I am exercising Mm -hmm. to be worthy of respect as a human being. Yes. You know, and those messages, unfortunately, are really strong. Um, I did not get introduced to any of these biases and even know that they were biases until I was in grad school. And I'll never forget it. My teacher, she had us do a, um, 
I don't remember what the name of it was. It was a, it was a fat, uh, bias, fat biases quiz where we had to assess yeah. our fat bias. And I, you know, I am, I really pride myself as someone that sees every human as a human. And I, I love people, you know, wholeheartedly regardless of their background. So I take this test and I'm like, Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm good. And I go through it. Oh my gosh, my bias was through the roof. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't because I'm a judgmental, mean person. It, it was truly because like these messages are so strong that we have been told you cannot be in a larger body and have a, you know, solid metabolic profile. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. And then working in the field, nothing has been more clear to me. It's like, yeah. I cannot tell you how many people walk in and they're like, well, I need to lose weight. And I'm like, but why, you know, like, I mean, if you want to, okay, we'll have that conversation, but why, like, do you yeah. really need to? And yeah, and those messages are whew, so strong. And they don't help anyone, right? No. We know that shame is not an effective tool. Mm -hmm. we, we have studies to prove when a person of size feels shamed, shamed by their care provider, they are less likely to receive routine medical care and more likely to gain weight. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. are literally dying because of fat phobia in medical care. I mean, yeah. it is horrifying that people aren't going to the doctor because they're so afraid of being shamed. And I see this a lot in my work as a childbirth educator and people saying, I'm not eating before I go to a prenatal visit because I'm so afraid I'm going to gain weight and be shamed. And I'm like, that is horrific. Like yes. it, it is heart-wrenching to think that people aren't eating while they are growing human life within them because they are right. so afraid of being shamed. Ugh. Yeah, it, it adds to the problem and it does not help. And it doesn't allow you to, like, I love what you said at the end of the health at every size um, description you just gave was like this new perspective and removing that shame gave you this freedom to actually feel good in your body and take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And to advocate for the care I deserve too, yes. which yes. is not easy. It's not easy at all. I um, cannot. Yeah. Imagine. So I do want to ask you about this idea of um, fighting fat phobia and being a fat advocate. So first of all, what is fat phobia? For people that have never heard this term before, what is that? Well, we think of phobia, fear of, so fat, phobia, it's fear of fat, not only fat people, but fatness. So I can be a fat person and have fat phobia, right? Like mm -hmm. anyone can be fat phobic. And I would venture to say that 99.999% of us are like, I'm still unpacking my own fat phobia because we have literally been raised in a culture that is steeped in diet culture and these messages that, you know, fat people aren't as worthy. I mean, it was just up until like the recent, maybe like the past seven years that I've even been able to find a sports bra that fits my body so I can go to the gym without my boobs slapping me in the face. You know, it's like, <laughs> I couldn't even find clothes to allow me to exercise in a way that didn't cause me discomfort and pain. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it is shocking to me how it has taken this long for society to be like, oh, well, you know, people size likes to exercise without feeling ashamed too and having access to yes. clothes that fits their body and works with their well with their body or or sometimes I just need to take my kid through the drive-through too. And yet as a you know, larger mom, I'm horrifically shamed for it. Um, yes. All these messages that are just so harmful. So it's, it's just clearly that the fear of fatness within ourselves is something I think people of all sizes need to unpack, because it doesn't do us any good to hate ourselves or to fear mm -hmm. that we're going to become fat. Uh, and for those of us who do exist in larger bodies, 
hating myself for so many years of my life never got me anywhere. It didn't, it was not beneficial in any way, shape or form. And that's why I really love the body love movement because it's saying like, no, like bodies of all size can exist and we can love ourselves. And that, that doesn't say that, you know, I think there's this message of, oh, well, if you just love yourself, then you're just gonna like, quote, eat yourself to death or whatever, all these messages that people think. Um, And there's two sides to that, that I want to say, like, just because someone loves themselves in a larger body doesn't mean that they don't care about their health. Mm -hmm. With that Mm -hmm. said, I don't owe you my health. I don't have to prove Mm -hmm. my health to anyone to, to exist in society. So I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's where the more fat advocacy piece comes in as into play as well. And it's critically important because we don't see growth and movement growth with any movement unless there is a radical component to it. I mean, we could look at any social justice movement in, mm-hmm. in history and there needs to be um, a shaking up of the system. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And there's you know, awesome people like Lizzo who sing these songs that everyone loves and blasts, but Lizzo's also wearing a thong on Instagram saying, here's my fat body, take it or leave it. And those are <laughs> huge, huge messages. And I think that's really important. Yes. Oh, I could not agree more. And I think it's really cool what you've done with that and specifically in um, the mother world and the pre-pregnancy world, because it is something that it's uncharted waters and uncharted territory. Um, Yeah, it's incredible. So what do you think people can do to contribute to removing some of the fat phobia that is so ingrained in our culture? Yeah. I I mean, I think it's really important to sit with some of this discomfort and be Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I'm fat phobic. What does this mean? And what can I do? And one of the easiest things you can do is literally like pick up your phone right now and, you know, go to the hashtag fat positive or um, fat liberation or any of these hashtags. And you'll see people existing in larger bodies and follow some of them, like follow people who don't have the same skin color as you, who don't have the same abilities of you, who don't have, you know, and I, yeah, we could use body positive too, but that's been really taken over by the fitness industry. So <laughs> look to some of the more, I mean, but use, use body positive too, because you might find an account there that isn't as quote radical, that's more mm-hmm. relatable to you. Um, but I challenge you to go after some accounts that make you a little uncomfortable at first and, and just sit and learn. And that's not to say that you have to follow them forever, but follow them for a little bit and re- regardless of how far you want to dive into it, just start diversifying your feed. Yes. And when you realize that most of your Instagram feed looks like you, then that's where you can impact many biases, not just weight bias. Yes. Yes. I love that. Well, and because you're talking about learning about someone else's story and seeing how someone else in a body different than our own or your own and how they live and how they might be healthy going against some of those messages that we've, yeah. we've been fed. I mean, oh, I love that. Now I have to tell you this. So we, in my house, I've got two little boys. So they're, they're six and four. And I'm very much an advocate for, obviously, all, all bodies are beautiful. Like everybody gets to decide how they want to live in their body. And, you know, it's not our place to judge that. And so we'll say the word fat very freely in our, in our house. And it's never in a derogatory way. It's a very neutral word. Well, I'm out at a local donut shop, not too long ago. And my son says it, he's like, mom, look at that fat woman. And the woman, you know, half of me is like, okay, 
this is what we've been working on. And the other half of me identifies with my clients I've worked with in larger bodies who tell me those stories of that happening and then not being in the place you're at, right? Like they hear right. that word and they're embarrassed and the shame flood comes. And so I'm all of a sudden in the donut shop, like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so I just immediately go like, and did you say hello? You know, we immediately went to like, the, yeah. this is a human. We say hi to humans, <laughs> regardless of what their body size is. But I'm kind of like thinking in those situa- situations, how would you recommend, you know, moms handling that word and how we talk about other people's bodies, especially when it comes to kids? Yeah. And there's a big push right now in, you know, teaching our kids about body love and body positivity to just not even talk about body size, mm-hmm. that bodies come in all different sizes and all bodies are good bodies. But I think there's an aside to that, that kids are unfiltered, right? Like my own kid, and that's the article that was in Glamour um, magazine was just like, he asked me like, mommy, how'd you get so fat? So like they know, they see, Mm -hmm. but I think the more that we embrace these messages of body neutrality, and Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we're going as a society is that bodies are neutral. All bodies are good. There's just like food. Food should be neutral. If we say foods are good or bad, it gives us all these mixed complex messages. Mm -hmm. So all bodies are good bodies and all bodies are capable. So I love how you refine that of, did you say hello? And you can be like, uh, you know, focus on different attributes of someone that isn't related to their weight. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when my son was struggling with some of his body image and he was doing soccer well he's not the fastest and he's not you know so I was trying to like you know pump him up make him feel good and do team sports well team sports are great for like the five percent of kids that are really great at that sport Mm -hmm. and not always for all the other kids or the slowest kid in the bunch so finding a sport and um uh, my friend who is a child and family therapist gave this suggestion uh Amanda Edwards of Find an individualized sport, whether it's aerobics or swimming or something where the kids are measured by their own abilities Mm -hmm. and not comparing themselves to others, that really boosts their confidence. And we saw that with swimming for my son and how he was progressing and how he was tuning into his body and the strength of his body and the amazingness of his body and learning about how his body is, you know, swims a little different maybe than the kid in the next row, but that's okay. So mm-hmm. having kids look at body neutrality and finding a way to move and nourish and love their bodies in also a neutral manner. I love that. Well, cause it's focusing on like what the body's capable of as opposed to how it looks, which is exactly what your story is, right? Yep. Of you being able to give birth in this way that you were told you weren't able to. And it was a matter of body function as opposed yeah. to what you look like. That's awesome. Oh, I love that with your son. And I, I also really think it's important as moms, especially listening, when we get on the scale in the morning and we determine, okay, I've gain two pounds. I now hate myself. I have to restrict or woohoo. I'm down two pounds. I'm the most amazing human ever. Best day ever. Like it's our kids that are standing in the doorway, watching that Mm -hmm. and taking note. And we are giving them these messages. So if you can throw the scale away or put the (laughs) scale away, but, but just being really cognizant of not only the words that we say, because I think as moms, we're like, we're all really trying to be careful, even though we drop an F-bomb every now and then, or (laughs) me a lot. Um, We're really trying to be careful with our words, but our actions speak louder. Like Mm -hmm. if you are eating, if you have a bag of candy stashed in that pantry, 
you don't think your kids know about it, they know about it. So secretive (laughs) eating, you're teaching your kids to eat in secret. Mm -hmm. So unpacking all of that, and that's where your wisdom and work comes in so well, Jess, but those, those things are so important. So looking at our own internalized fat phobia and body hate messages and body bullying, as you say, Mm -hmm. and working through that. Uh, And we're going to mess up all the time, right? (laughs) I've been doing this work for a decade (laughs) and I still mess up all the time. But like, you know, when my kid's body was growing and changing, like I didn't shame him for it. I bought him some bigger t-shirts and I want him to feel good and confident in his body, right? And and why am I not doing that for myself? Why Mm -hmm. didn't I for so many years when my body changed, just buy a little bit of a bigger t-shirt instead of scrunching my body in and then wearing a sweater in the middle of summer to hide my body. It's so ridiculous. Just, you know, buy that bigger size of jeans if you need them and don't hurt or punish yourself because that is far more damaging than buying a larger pair of jeans. Yes. Oh, and I love that. Cause this is like one of the dirty little tricks that I have with every single client I work with where it's like, if they can't, if they're stuck on something, I'm like, well, what would you do if your kiddo came to you? And was yeah. it, and that's exactly what they would do. They're like, well, I wouldn't make them hide their body or squeeze into something that made them feel terrible. I would just go get them a bigger size. And right. you know, if I wanted to rip the tag off and just tell them they're amazing. Yeah. And it's like, why don't we do that for ourselves? Why are, why are we any different? Yeah. And I think like, I'm in this phase where my kid is, you know, 10 and going through puberty. I don't, I don't like he was three (laughs) yesterday. Don't ask me how, but his body is rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. Like I bought him shoes last month and they already don't fit. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, you know, you, you believe the kids, but you're like, I just spent all this money. And then I did the thumb (laughs) test with the toe. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so he's going and he's changing, but his body gets bigger and then it gets taller and it does all these things. And it, it is really forced me to re-examine even my own body struggles mm-hmm. that I had when I was going through adolescence wow. and all of those messages that I heard and when I was taken to Weight Watchers and, and how that changed everything for me. And then, so just being really mindful of like, this is this critical time and I don't want to mess up. So when he had to go to the pediatrician for his annual exam last year, you know, there's that, you know, form that you, every parent fills out before yes. the annual. And I wrote on it, like, do not talk to my kid. Do, do not bring up weight or BMI. Mm-hmm. Happy to talk about healthy habits and nutrition. And I got to tell you, like, I was fine with him getting on the scale and everything and having, you know, that documented, but not focusing on a number in that exam room, not saying a BMI number, but just focusing on like, how do you enjoy being active? What sports mm-hmm. are you in? Yes. What does dinner look like for you? It we She was still accomplishing the exact same things that right. she would have been if she would have been like, well, according to this, your BMI is a little high and we'd like to, you know, right. how much milk do you drink? You know, like that kind of stuff. So I think being our own best advocates for ourselves is hard, but we can do it for our kids so much easier. So yes. the more that you can start doing those things for your kids and the more you're monitoring the language and the things that you're saying um, about your kids, especially as their bodies grow and change, do that to yourself too. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and starting with your kids too, like if you're not in a place where you can give it to yourself yet, starting with giving it to your kids and like practicing that and then seeing how to turn it around on yourself. That's cool. So um, going to the pediatrician, I'm glad you shared that. I was going to ask, um, weight never came up then when you, when you were the advocate from the beginning, did weight ever come up in the conversation? No, no. And also like I research 
my pediatric, like, I know, like, yeah. to me, I work hard to, like, you know, assess if someone is going to be a more size supportive or size inclusive provider. Um, it's been harder to find that for myself since moving to mm-hmm. New Mexico. Um, but I, you know, I had these questions, these conversations early on of like, it's really important that we're, we're, we're weight neutral um, well, with this. Yeah. Which, and you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics yeah, came that's out. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And that has helped yes. so much. So, you know, you can shoot off an email or, you know, now there's all the telehealth stuff and being mm-hmm. like, this is how I'm parenting. Here's the statement from the American yeah. Academy of Pediatrics. <laughs> like, you can't refute that. Yes. Uh, and, and so that's the response that I got in the beginning was kind of like, you know, because I, I remember one of our first visits, like, I was like, oh, h- hang out in here, honey. And I, like, literally went into the hallway with the doctor, and I was like, this is really important to me. Yeah. And and that was scary and hard. I'm, You yeah. know, it's just hard to be that advocate. But from then on, it has been so much easier. And again, awesome. we're accomplishing the same things without things being said to my son that I remember things being said to me by doctors at a young age that made me question my body. And he's already questioning his body, right? Like no matter how great of a bubble of body love I build in our home, (laughs) he goes to school, he goes out in society, he has already experienced bullying. So the more that I can do to protect him and not, not only protect, but like encourage him just to love himself and Mm -hmm. to exist in his body and to, to move his body and fuel his body and love his body in ways that we all should be doing. Mm -hmm. The more I can do that at home, the more he can stand up for himself and feel confident in his body in society. And that I hope is a gift that I can give him because it would be one of the greatest things I could ever give him. Well, it sounds like you're doing an incredible job. It really does. I try, I mean, but you know, I have my bad days too, you know, where, you know, we all have those days where nothing looks good and yeah. I don't like, you know, you know, and he hears that and then I have to reframe it. But like, I, I think perfection is unobtainable, right? Like, right. It, it's just, that's unrealistic. But the more that we can buy our kids, you know, different books about different bodies, there's tons of kids books out there. And I can give you my list of books for, you know, parents and kids and, um, you know, there's so many more books on the market now and mm-hmm. it's just tools and resources that our parents didn't have. And so the more I can lay that foundation, I hope I can set him up for success outside of the home. Oh, I have a feeling you will. I have no doubt. <laughs> I you. have no doubt. Um, well, and what I love about it, though, is you're really removing like the focus on body because it does hold people back, right? If they think something is fundamentally wrong with their body because of their size, even if all the health stuff is in alignment, right? It's like that is such an obstacle and like a box. It's putting someone in a box. Yeah. And it's just, you're laying this groundwork for him that he's, you know, even with the, because I think it's natural, no matter what body size we're in, we all question our body. Totally. Um, so he's going to face some of that, but you're laying this awesome groundwork for him. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. I'd love to get that list of books. I'll definitely show, yeah. show notes. Um, I did want to ask you, so we were talking a little bit earlier about the, the assumptions that our culture has towards people in larger size or in larger bodies. And I'm just curious, what is one thing you wish everyone knew about people living in larger bodies? I mean, this goes for everybody that all bodies are worthy. Mm-hmm. All bodies are worthy of respect. All, And I mean, we can break that down further. Like I think of there's something so small, like when I speak with, um, you know, birth professionals and talk about like how to be a size inclusive provider, 
one of the images I use that really sum up what it is to be size inclusive is a chair without arms. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you go to a restaurant or when you go to your doctor's office and there's chairs with arms, if you exist in a you know smaller body, oh, this is great, this is comfortable. Mm -hmm. When you exist in a body my size, I don't fit comfortably. It can leave really bad marks on my body or maybe I just don't fit completely and it's humiliating and it basically says you're not welcome here. Yeah. And so it's something so simple and it also is ableist. It's not accommodating for people of all abilities too. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we think about that when you're, you know, having a barbecue on a on a weekend and you invite some friends over and maybe you have a friend that exists in a larger body. Well, a lot of that outdoor patio furniture is really tiny. <laughs> so yeah. simply bringing out a folding chair and you don't have to say anything. You don't have to make a big deal about it. But just having that chair out with all the other chairs, not set aside, mm -hmm. but having that furniture out having accessibility it says so much it says that you care about the comfort of other people mm -hmm. you care about the existence of other people uh and it's so so important it's something so small um but it, it i mean so my mother-in-law has uh, been such a great supporter of me and my work and she lives in an average size body and she's you know follows all my work and has learned awesome. so much and my husband and I went to, they had like an anniversary, they took us out to dinner for our anniversary and it was an outdoor patio. And when I arrived late, because I'm terrible at time, I, I got to work on that next new year's resolution. Uh, they were already seated and there were two chairs set up for us outside that didn't have arms. Now all the other patio furniture at this fancy restaurant had small chairs. And so my in-laws had asked for different chairs for us wow. before we even arrived. Wow. And you know, this is your anniversary dinner. You want to feel special. You don't want to be like, oh, I don't fit. I have to yeah. advocate for myself because as a person of size, I am always advocating for myself and it's exhausting, mm -hmm. but to just show up and nothing said about it, nothing, it's not a big deal. I can sit comfortably and enjoy my time with my family. That is something that took her three minutes, took the wait staff two minutes yeah. and meant the world to me. That's, um, that's amazing. That's, I love that. And yeah. You got to show up and just be in the moment and enjoy it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and that's something, so in our facility that we work at, uh, I work at an eating disorder clinic and a, a dietetic private practice, and we have sizes, chairs of all sizes. And yes. one of the things that comes up is when we were buying them, we got some pushback actually. And the pushback was, well, we don't want to single them out. You know, we don't want to make them feel like they have to sit in a specific chair. And I was just like taken, so taken back. Like, I, I don't think that's how it would be perceived. I mean, I'm not sure, but I love hearing that story. It's very affirming to me. Like, no, it's yes. good. And it's welcoming. No, it's welcoming. It's accessible. And and then also for people who exist in smaller bodies, like I've been in this situation where there's only one chair without arms and there's someone in a smaller body sitting in it. So oh, being, yes, yes. being cognizant of that, but like there shouldn't only be one chair. There right. should be multiple chairs that are accommodating to people of different sizes, different abilities, parents of young children. Like when you got to hold the kid and you got the bag and you got all this stuff, like you need a little more space. So yes. I think it's just welcoming for all people to be more uh, accessible. And then it's really important to go beyond the lobby. Like I went to a doctor's office where the lobby was size accommodating, but then I got back into the, you know, the exam room and the only place for me to sit comfortably was on the exam table. Mm -hmm. And that creates a different power dynamic. And I don't 
I don't think that you should start first doctor's visit exam mm -hmm. being naked, sitting on an exam table. It's very hard to advocate for yourself. It's it's a different power dynamic, whereas most time now you start sitting in the chair and you have a conversation and then you know you have an yeah, exam. Yeah. So it's it's really important that we dig a little deeper and know that you know, by not having a comfortable place to sit in some place where there's a different power dynamic, that's really important too. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's so, and those are the things that I think, unless you're looking for it and paying attention, like they're so just like normalized, right? We right. wouldn't pick up on it. That's yep. wonderful. And I love, um, I do want to like, you know, shout out to your essay that was just, it was published recently in things no one will tell fat girls. And it's, it's, I think it's something I want every single one of my clients to read on how to walk into a medical provider's office and advocate for themselves. It's, it's a very empowering essay that you wrote on there. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that was a few years ago and I'm glad the book is getting more traction again too by Jess Baker. It's excellent and kind of teaches so much about the history mm -hmm. of fat phobia and great advocacy tips too. Uh, on my, on my side, I have for anyone who's pregnant or planning to be pregnant or supports pregnant people, uh, of size, I have a whole, um, free guide that people can download on how awesome. to find a size friendly care provider. And it's a chapter of my book, the, my plus size pregnancy guide that walks through everything you could want to know about being plus size and pregnant and how to advocate for yourself and how to, how to be healthy because all those years ago when I was googling plus size pregnancy all I read about were all the risks there was mm -hmm. no information on how to be healthy as I a know. person of size and I'm like <laughs> wait a minute and that's kind of like think about that like that is what society tells us you're bad you're wrong good luck <laughs> you know like yes. good luck with finding clothes that fit you and places and spaces where you're going to feel welcome um so I really wanted to design an evidence-based resources with my whole blog and everything that is like you know, yes, there are some increased risks, but the odds are actually in your favor of having healthy outcomes, yes. but that's not the narrative. And how do we, I think it's so important to address evidence and talk about increased risk, but, but equally important, how do we reduce our risks? Right. And so that's a lot of the work that I do too, is I'm not afraid to talk about evidence. Evidence is great. Like yeah, it's yeah. important, like, you know, but, but how do we dig deeper and how do we reframe things so people aren't always terrified right because uh, a lot of the way scientific evidence is put out into the world and this might be going too deep um, but it's relative risks mm -hmm. so there when we look at risks like Jess and I if we were both getting pregnant we would both have a risk of developing gestational diabetes mm -hmm. your risk is a little bit lower than mine but if I look at the relative risk, which compares one rate to another, comparing my numbers to your numbers, it looks like my risk is astronomical because yeah. your, your numbers are lower than mine, mine are higher, but we're talking about very small increments. Mm -hmm. But when you're comparing one rate to another, it looks huge. So let me make, help this make more sense. You go online and you read anything about any disease and you read that, you know, obese people are far more likely to incur XYZ. It's because they're talking about the relative risk. They're comparing the rate of my risk to someone who exists in a smaller body. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if we just look at the actual risk, mm -hmm. the actual risk factor, it is, you know, a couple percentages. It is very, very small. Mm -hmm. So I hope that makes sense or you can cut out this part. But, no. but the point being, 
we as a society focus on relative risk. We focus on comparing thinness to fatness and mm-hmm. making fatness be something wrong and something bad and leading people of size to believe that they can't be healthy. When actuality, if we look at the actual risk factors that people face, yes, there are increased risks when you exist in a larger body, but they are not as astronomical. So I, in my work, encourage care providers and, uh, you know, doulas and people to flip the script. So instead of saying to a person of size, you're at a much greater risk of developing gestational diabetes, you'd say, you know, you've, you've got about a 15 to 17% chance. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, you know, over 80% chance that you're not going to develop gestational <laughs> diabetes. Like I'm providing the same evidence-based yes. information. but I'm, I'm saying in a way that empowers people. It doesn't shame. It doesn't shame. And that's the key to it right there. Because then you're asking, okay, well, how do I reduce my risk? And we have studies to show that being physically active and Mm -hmm. eating nourishing foods reduces the risk of gestational diabetes even more. So now we're like, wait, are you telling me I got like a 90% chance of not getting it? Whereas if you Google, you know, obesity and pregnancy, it's like, well, I've just signed me up for gestational diabetes. So yeah. So usually I have statistics in front of me and I can explain it a little clearer, but I hope, I hope that was helpful. Of like, oh, that makes sense. It makes yeah. total sense. Cause you're, you're saying that like, then we're focusing on what you can do to reduce your own risk relative to like your own life and what's happening yeah. in your own life, as opposed to like, you're in a larger body. Therefore you're in this bucket of high risk and you will always be in this bucket of high risk. And there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> and we can translate that even to like advanced maternal age. If you're oh, over the age yes. of 35 <laughs> yes. and wanting to be pregnant, pregnant, like you have all these increased risks. Well, here's my challenge to anyone, whether you're advanced maternal age, plus size, whatever it is that makes you a little different, a little spectacular. If your care provider is saying you're at a much greater risk for XYZ, say, what is my actual risk? Mm -hmm. And don't be surprised if they don't have an answer because Mm -hmm. they're probably going to know the relative risk rate off the top of their head. But what is my actual risk? And I think that's important with any diagnosis too, or making big changes with medication or anything. Like you can say you're at a much greater risk, but what does that even mean? Yeah. What does that mean? And, well, and, and what can I need to question those things? Right. Like, what is it to me? Like, what am I yeah. supposed to do with that information? Right. And that's individualized healthcare, right? Which is mm-hmm. so critically important for people of all sizes. Like we shouldn't just be put in these buckets. We should mm-hmm. be receiving individualized care, which mm-hmm. is so, so important. And, and that's what changed my life was moving from the obstetrical model of care to midwifery care, which is the basis of that is individualized women-centered care. Mm-hmm. And it was like the first time that I was being treated as myself and my health history and my body history awesome. and not just a statistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it was life-changing. And I and we're starting to see this more. Like you're a dietitian who is health at every size aligned. Like that is huge. A decade ago, like we weren't having these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all moving and we're all learning and we're all growing. And at the end of the day, just treat people with kindness. Like meet <laughs> right? people where they're at. If you're mm-hmm. unsure, if you're a dietitian listening and you're like, well, I'm not sure. Do I when I have to talk about weight and size related to my client? Do I say plus size or fat or overweight or obese? Simply ask your client, what language do they prefer? I mean, just and listen to the language they use when they talk about their body. And if they say, you know, I'm fat would be like, well, do you, do you like being called that? Like, is that a word that you use? And for me, I'd say yes. For a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, heck no, don't call me that, you know, (laughs) but it opens up this dialogue and it brings down the barriers because I can tell you there is no one person of size that doesn't know that they exist in a larger body Mm -hmm. yet behind 
closed doors of, you know, nutritionists and doctors and chiropractors, there's so much skirting around it. Let's stop skirting. Let's just address things in a compassionate manner so you can provide the care that you need to provide that might look a slightly different, or maybe it doesn't look different at all, but, but let's just keep treating people with dignity. And for those of us who exist in larger bodies, keep advocating for yourself. That is so, so important. So good. Oh, I love all of that. Well, and I like how you framed it too about people that are working with individuals is just ask them, like, just listen. Cause I think when I started on the health at every size journey, you know, in our dietetic training, we get no training on this stuff. And it is very much like ingrained in us, you know, the, all the stuff. (laughs) And I remember kind of going, okay, where do I even start with this? Because like, yeah, how do I talk about this? And how do we acknowledge, I mean, this disconnect in the room. I mean, I love that you don't dance around it. We just, we treat everybody with respect and we just ask, you know, we just say, how can I support you? And I love that. Do you like being called like you said you're fat do you like being called fat is that okay with you because yeah. I'll do it we can call that if you want if not okay <laughs> yeah or what yeah what language do you prefer when we talk about your body and I love it that is so so important for so all empowering. aspects of so yeah empowering. yes we think about like we're asking people how they identify how they walk through the world and by doing that we are saying you can walk into my world mm-hmm. you can walk into my bubble and for people that are charging people for services. And yes, that includes doctors. Like you are paying this person for a service. Mm-hmm. You should, should at no time be made to feel ashamed of your body. Now there are some trick conversations that can make you uncomfortable. Absolutely. Especially mm-hmm. in healthcare, but there are still ways to have conversations that aren't um, shaming people in yes. the process. Yes. So I do have two final questions for you, Jen. And one is to folks that are listening that are in either average or smaller bodies that work in the healthcare field. Um, If somebody comes in and is like, has that shame already up, like they've had bad experiences and, you know, they're, they're kind of walking in, like, I don't want to be here, you know, and I've had those clients walk in. Um, What is your advice to providers to help break down those walls? Yeah. Well, I think far very often there is that. I'm I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> like I go into a new doctor with major defenses up. Mm-hmm. But you know what could help prevent that from the beginning is seeing on my doctor's website or seeing on my nu- nutritionist website that they are health at every size aligned. Mm-hmm. If I see that, I can't even tell you the amount of quote weight on my shoulders that is immediately <laughs> relieved because I know that I'm walking into a situation where people are going to treat me with respect because okay. that's a component of health at every size. So being vocal on your social media or and you know your website that you are health at every size aligned. If you are, if you aren't, yeah. then you have a lot of work to do. But but first identifying as that, that opens up so many doors. We're looking at, you know, over 60% of the population is classified as overweight or obese with BMI, which we could totally unpack BMI at another yeah. time, yeah. but why yeah. it's, it's not even evidence-based. But um so you're looking at like a huge loss of business if you're not right, inclusive right. of people of size. So, you know, it starts with letting people know on their website, you are welcome here. It's letting people know in their lobby with, with chairs that are accommodating, you are welcome here. It's not forcing people to get onto a scale. It's saying, would you mm-hmm. like to be weighed? That means you are welcome here. You get to decide because a lot of people don't realize you don't have to be weighed at the doctor's office. You are a mentally competent adult that doesn't <laughs> have to consent to anything, but we're not 
led to believe that, right? Right. Um, and then just treating people with compassion and dignity, you know, that is so important. And those doing those things, you're not just going to impact that, you know, 15 to hour long visit, 15 minutes to hour long visit you have with them you are making a whole difference in their life. Look, mm-hmm. look at my story. If it wasn't for a midwife and I she know. didn't do anything different. That's the thing is she didn't treat me any different than she treats any other of her patients. Yeah. She treated me with compassion and kindness and she met me where I was at. That's all, that's all that she did. She broke down that wall, that barrier yes. right away. That's amazing. I love that. I have a new goal. My goal is to be that midwife. For, I mean, not yeah. a midwife in dietitian <laughs> form though. I love yeah. that. It's no. so important because not only are you saying you're welcoming to people of sizes, you're pretty much saying I'm welcoming to everyone. Like, come yeah. on in, like, let me meet you where you're at and support you. And oh. I think that that is so incredibly important. We can either just sit with all this discomfort of what do you mean health at every size? These people can be healthy. Or we can say, you're all welcome. And I'm going to work on my fat internalized fat phobia. And I want to treat people with kindness and compassion because ultimately whatever your job is, you want to help people and you can help people at all sizes. But if you have these barriers up, you're saying, well, the majority of the United States is not welcome (laughs) into my (laughs) business. And that's just bad business really. (laughs) Well, not smart anyways. Yeah. I think I love that. I love that. Okay. So taking that question and then flipping it though, to someone who is in a larger body going into a medical provider setting and that wall is there. Like, I don't want to be here. I've been here before and I was shamed. I mean, how, what is your advice to that person um, to also break down those walls? It really starts with researching size inclusive care providers and doing the research in the beginning, like as for parents listening, like we spend so much time finding the perfect pediatrician for our lovely child, yet we don't do the same for us. We're just like, oh, they take my insurance. Okay, I'll walk through the door Mm -hmm. with all this anxiety. (laughs) So researching and asking your friends, like, you know, if you even feel comfortable, like I, one of my advice tips for people who are becoming pregnant and looking for a size friendly care provider is to join a local mom's group and do a posting and saying, hey, I'm plus size, you know, does anyone have a care provider? provider that, you know, was size friendly. And then you're literally targeting people in your area who are going through the, looking for the same type of care provider. So really doing that research is so important. Even showing up to the care provider's office, you know, this takes extra work, but looking around their office, do they have size inclusive chairs? Talking to the receptionist, like, do you carry, have a larger size blood pressure cuff? Like Mm -hmm. if you don't, if if your care provider doesn't use the right size blood pressure cuff on you, Mm -hmm. then that can create a whole host of problems for your own medical well-being and health care. So do they have gowns that fit people of all sizes if you need to take off your clothes? Like all these things are so important. So doing the research and then when you make the appointment, like really assessing the situation, how does someone make you feel like like I said before, like, don't feel that you have to get naked before you meet your doctor for the first Mm -hmm. time. You Mm -hmm. can tell the medical assistant, I want to have a conversation with my care provider before I disrobe. And then I will, Mm -hmm. because there's that power dynamic there. That's so important and comes with advocacy and, you know, things that we don't talk about, you know, is, you know, people of size that have a, or people of any size that have a history of sexual assault or, you know, things that are sticky that we don't want to talk about. Like, why are we 
literally taking off someone's clothes before someone is going to touch their body. Like Mm -hmm. we need to be more sensitive to these things. We need to be more sensitive when we talk about food and nutrition with people of size, the people of size also can have a history of disordered eating Mm -hmm. just because you exist in a larger body doesn't mean that you don't have that. So all of these little nuances, but when you are a person accessing this care, you have the right to say, no, stop. I don't want this at any point in time. I've literally walked out of a care provider's office after being mistreated and been like, this is unacceptable. And then I followed back and called and asked to speak to the clinical director and was like, this was wrong. What happened to me was wrong. And that was scary and hard, but the clinical director reviewed everything. And she's like, you're right. And I'm not (gasps) going to charge you for this and you can come in and I'll take care of you. Like, so all those advocacy pieces are so hard, but what's easier is to do the research in advance and to try to find someone who is size friendly. And sometimes that can be nearly impossible. I'm facing that now here (laughs) in Albuquerque, but I'm not going to stop fighting because I'm worthy of healthcare and so are you. So I, and in my guide, you know, I think everything applies to not just pregnancy as well as all those tips. Mm -hmm. And then once Mm -hmm. you're in the exam room, you know, really paying attention to your care provider's body language. Do they feel comfortable touching you? Because if they don't, that's not the care provider for you. You know, are they just looking at the clock? You know, all of these things, which would kind of make someone kind of a crummy care provider to begin with. (laughs) If they're not comfortable working with people of size, then they're not, you know, comfortable working with, you know, a lot of people. And, And, you know, so but just knowing that you are worthy of saying no, you are worthy of walking out. You don't have to feel trapped. You can fire your care provider at any point in time. All these things are so important to know. I love that. And I think this is where my heart in spreading this word really comes out is because I have sat with one too many people in my office who are in a larger body that don't know they are worthy and they don't yet and I sit there and I'm like, God, you're amazing, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I sit there and go, I can't believe I get paid to like sit and talk to people like this because yeah. it's so incredible. And yet they have been put in this position where they don't allow themselves to, or they don't know it yet because of these bad situations or. Well, know- it's trauma. Let's name it for what trauma. it is. It is trauma. It is. Like that care provider that I stormed out of their office, I was struggling to breathe. Oh, I was struggling to breathe. And they looked at me and my BMI and said, maybe you're just so big that you need to be put on oxygen. That's what they said to me. And again, not that I owe anyone my health, but if they had looked in my medical record, I was struggling to breathe. So I was just trying to get in. I I thought I had just recovered from um, strep throat and I just felt like I needed an inhaler and everything was going to be fine. I just thought my doctor was busy. I could just go in and everything would be fine. Um, I had gotten clear to do a 5k not that much before with my doctor like I was physically active I knew what my body was capable of and I was I was struggling to breathe walking from my car to my home there was something wrong with me struggling to breathe is kind of a big deal and I was told basically you don't deserve to breathe because you're so fat you need oxygen and I refused to leave and I was just like I need help I need something well I can't give you an inhaler because you might have heart problems I'd have to run an EKG I, I sat there and I was like fine give me an EKG. And I consented to the EKG. EKG was fine. They still wouldn't do anything. They gave me one breathing treatment and it really helped. And I was like, oh my gosh, this nebulizer works. This helps me. Like, can, can I get a prescription or something? No. And it was just so awful, but, but that's one story of countless. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we also hear the stories of what people of size have been through, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you, 
yes, I advocated myself and called the clinical director, but I couldn't go back into that office. Yeah. I felt so ashamed. I didn't go back. I didn't receive health care for over two years. I gained wow. over 60 pounds after wow. that. Like wow. I literally became the statistic I teach people about yeah. because it doesn't matter that I'm an expert in this. Like I'm a human being who right. felt literally stripped of my humanity and told I didn't deserve to breathe. And, and it took me almost passing out um, while driving, having a coughing fit because oh I was struggling gosh. to breathe and going to urgent care and um, finally getting a friggin' like inhaler. That's all I needed. Wow. That's all I needed. I had, there was some technical term for like my airway was collapsed a little bit. <laughs> I just needed it to, to open up with some steroids. Um, but I could have hurt someone or hurt myself. I mean, it was so wow. ridiculous that it took to that point and all I needed was an inhaler. <laughs> so um, all that to say, like my story is one of billions, right? Of being, going to healthcare or going to a dietitian or going to someone for care and being treated like I'm nothing. Like I, I'm, I'm a horrible person just because I'm fat. And so you might be the most loving, kind-hearted, provider there is, but you're going to face people that, that are nervous and that are scared and that have huge walls up. And all you need to do is to greet people with compassion. And if you're that person with your wall up, it's okay to have your wall up. I'm not <laughs> saying you need to break it down, but, but be open and know that there are really great care providers out there that are size inclusive. And I feel like a decade from now, it's just going to be the norm that people are going to say that they're size inclusive or, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's not going to be, we're going to know exactly, you know, who are the doctors and care providers we should go to and ones who will fade away because they're not willing to address a huge bias that creates harm in our healthcare system. Totally. Oh, I love that. I love everything about that. And most of all, your, your message is just empowering. I mean, it always comes back to like you as a human, no matter what body size, shape, color, whatever ability you are worthy of good healthcare, amazing healthcare and yeah. of respect and love. And, yes. and that's really at the heart of it. And something I think diet culture just drills down our throats that we are not. And yep your message is just so powerful in, in all of that. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I do, I would love to share your book, your resources, all of the above. So I'll make sure that all those links are in the bottom of our show notes. Thank you. Um, it's I just, also have a podcast, the Plus Mommy podcast, because yes. I spent so much of my life talking and blogging about pregnancy. And then I realized my kid's like growing up at the time he was like <laughs> seven. And I'm like, okay, I'm a certified childbirth educator. My heart is yes. changing how people of size are treated in maternity care. But but there's so many other aspects of my life that I want to talk about yeah. and empower people about. So in 2018, um, I started the Plus Mommy podcast, and that's been a great uh, journey. And I've been able to interview like, you know, like a, the a finalist from America's Got Talent, who is a plus size woman who shared just such her beautiful story. And then I got to talk to her and share her story on the podcast. It's been so cool to talk to people who live these wonderful lives and then also just talk to everyday moms and hear their birth stories. So uh, it, my tagline is from bumps to bellies. We talk about it all. So it's for, for plus size parents really, but I think, you know, I know I have a broader audience and I think for anyone who wants to really understand what it is like for especially plus size women to walk through the world, it'd be a really great listen too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, whether I think 
everybody finds value in that regardless of their body size because it's important that people who are not in a larger body understand and get insight into that. I mean, I know that for me is what grew my heart for this tremendously is I was like, I cannot imagine. I mean, I have been in thin privilege my whole life. And I didn't even know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. And to finally like see that, oh my gosh, no, people do not experience the world the way I do was really eye-opening. And really the coolest part about it is it's open doors for me to meet amazing people like you, you know, and work with more clients and more diversity. And it's just been, it's been awesome. So I love that. I would absolutely love to share all of those links, all of the above. Um, cause I think what you're doing is incredible and I'm just so grateful for your time, Jen, and for you sharing your story with us today. Thank you for all of it. Well, I'm thankful for you. Like, thank you for being an ally. I mean, that means so much. It's people like you and having these conversations that can be a little intimidating or hard to navigate. Like it opens up so many doors for so many other people to, you know, just start treating other people with kindness. It's really not that hard, <laughs> I know. Um, but I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you acknowledging thin privilege. Privilege is a word that holds a lot of uh, weight and discomfort. And the more we start talking about these things, the better we are. And the more we can, you know, be welcoming of people of all, um, you know, people who are in marginalized bodies in all different ways. If you exist in a thin white body, you hold privilege. Mm-hmm. And so unpacking that and acknowledging it is so incredibly important. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of you and using that language. As oh, well. absolutely. And I think I probably need to do a podcast on that because that's what yeah. one of the first times we've do talked it. about that. Yeah. I mean, and when I was first introduced to it, I it was, I had some resistance to it. You know, I was like, well, I, I take care of my body. I work hard. What do you mean? It just comes naturally. And you know, what clicked for me within privilege was I was reading um, Lindo Bacon's book, health at every yeah. size. And I can't remember where it is. He said that when we exist in a world that has thin privilege, nobody wins yeah. and pointed out that people in smaller bodies, as long as we live in a world within privilege, they'll never know if their success was truly because they were talented or because they live and exist in a smaller body. And that hit me because in a lot of the work I do, I'm a eating disorder specialist, but I'm also a sports dietitian. And so I'll have people come to me that say things like, Jess, how do you get your legs? And because I have genetically muscular, like there's, I do some squats, but genetic, it's genetic. And so all of a sudden I realized I'm like, am I, are people asking me for my nutrition advice because of what I offer them or because of the way my legs look, you know, or whatever. And that was something that like opened it up to me. And I thought, oh, no, 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 this is. And then I went down the whole rabbit hole and was able to understand it. And it takes time. And oh my gosh, we're ending on this topic. So I don't want to like turn people off at the very end, but but we're tippy, we're tiptoeing into it, which is, which is important. And I didn't use those words this whole hour plus, because I I just, I don't want to turn people off. I've probably said enough that has made people uncomfortable. Um, but that's good. That's what we do though. Right. 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 (laughs) But know that we're going to get to that place, right? Like as a society, we are acknowledging that People who exist in marginalized bodies, whether it's the color of their skin, the size of their body, their abilities, they are treated differently. Mm-hmm. And how much greater of a society would we be if we just stopped doing that? Mm-hmm. If we yeah. made space and held space for everyone. Yes. Uh, and I wish it could be as simple, you know, as my kids saying, mommy, it just doesn't make sense that black people are treated differently and don't have the same, you know, rights and privileges. I'm like, you're right, buddy. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And he's just like, we should just be friends with everyone. I'm like, well, yeah, buddy, yeah, we should. Right. <laughs> and, you know, there's a whole lot to unpack. But at the end of the day, my 10 year old gets it right for people Mm -hmm. of all sizes and colors and abilities like 
we got to get the adults on board now too. Yeah, uh, it's so so important. It's it's far too long because it 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 is so hard to go through your life. Like I go to the grocery store and you know I I know that certain people are looking at me and judging mm-hmm. me and and yeah I still have to buy food and mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. like. I carry confidence now that I don't care what other people think 90% of the time, mm-hmm. but it would just be so nice to exist without being exhausted right. because that takes a toll on my health and my hormones and weight gain, you know, all these things yeah. that play yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really important. I, I would hope that that would be the takeaway of this episode is just like, can we start to address our own internalized mm-hmm. fat phobia? And then can we just start to meet people where they're at with compassion and dignity? And if you can do those two things, you'll not only improve your own life, your kids' lives, but those in your bubble as well. Yes. Oh, so good, Jen. So good. Well, thank you for everything. Thank you. And it's so good talking to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for the work that you're doing too. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.